The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One one Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we have a very fun and exciting episode for you guys, one week later, sort of. uh, Not less less than a week, like... As far yeah. as like, because the Bond episode we just put today is uh, July tenth, and we put out the Sunday. Bond episode. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Bond galore. Yeah, I don't know. Just like the you know, I'm not, I, I was gonna oh, make it. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I saw what I, I saw what you were putting down. You know, Bond galore. Get, never mind. Um. <laughs> You know, it, it, you, there's only one of two reactions. It's wah, wah, or wah, 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 wah. <laughs> can, we, can we call the broccoli fa- uh, and, and broccoli people and just be like, hey, can we, can we borrow that? <laughs> we will pay you exactly $1. That's, listen, that's all we got. <laughs> that's the that's the show's budget every week is one dollar, and what do we do with it? Nothing, because it's not actually what the budget is. Yeah, we, we got none. We're, yeah, we're terrible accountants, guys. <laughs> John and Kenny are also like, why? <laughs> why do we have a dollar? We don't need it. We're just so good at what we do. They just they, they literally are like our golden our golden geese. They just lay gold. They just golden eggs. <laughs> They're just dropping gold all the time. You're like, damn. Oh my gosh! But anyways, welcome to the show, everybody. Mm. Um, so we do. It, it, silliness aside, we do have somewhat of a sad way to start the episode. Um, uh, a couple legends in the in the world of cinema have passed away, um, including someone who uh, was in the very first movie we ever talked about on this show. Uh, Joey, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So uh, it's been a rough couple of days. I just want to say, as far as like. Uh, major passings go, so I'm just gonna go 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 in the order that I have these on my list. And there's other people that have passed, but I feel like we would b- do better with these three. Um, so first, I want to mention James Caan. Uh, obviously, course. obviously played Sonny Corleone in The Godfather and briefly in The Godfather Part Two. Um, but he's he's num- in Misery, Misery, Elf. Um, he had a brief he had a brief scene in Dick Tracy where he was one of the the gangsters, but he's the one that didn't want to work with Al Pacino, and Al Pacino blew him up. <laughs> but he uh, had a great oh my god, he had a purple suit. It was fantastic. Um, I also want to mention too, he was in Wes Anderson's first movie, Bottle Rocket. Oh, and he's very good in that. I mean, he incredible incredible actor. Um, he was also M- Michael Mann's thief. Um, mm-hmm. He was and- in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was the uh, the dad. He was Bill Hader's dad. Um, one of my favorite like posts was like the Empire State Building Twitter page made a tweet where it's just like, "Rest rest in peace, uh, James Con. Thank you for letting uh, Buddy the Elf visit you at work." 
I love that. Um, so I, I was a mess after seeing that tweet. Um, this is a big one uh, for me personally, but I know I know for a lot of people this is huge. Kazuki Takahashi, uh, yes. writer, writer and artist yeah. of Yu-Gi-Oh! passed away. Tragic um, accident. He was only 60 years old. Um, I just want to spend a few moments on Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, we do want to talk about something involving Yu-Gi-Oh! at some point in our show. Um, I know we've talked about it. Yeah, because I know Joey and I, because I grew up with Yu-Gi-Oh! playing the game and collecting the cards, and Joey did too, but you know, he's still somewhat invested in that world as well. Um, I've, I've, I bought Yu-Gi-Oh! cards recently, but I, I, I blame that more on um, maybe like a, a, pre, a pre-existing midlife crisis situation, where I was like, I want to be like myself when I was a kid again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have a whole bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards, but I like having them. Because they're just they're just a lot of fun to look at and you know just to, th- to reminisce on like games played and stuff and I know Joey Joey actually like actively plays the game he builds decks based on you know I don't mean to tell your story but like you 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 build decks based on like all types of different card classes and methods and you play the the virtual version of the game that you have like the on your PlayStation or whatever yeah and so. And and also your brother is really into it too. Yeah, my brother. In some ways, my brother in later years became more invested in the game than I have, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But because I've been I've been playing the game since it came stateside in in two thousand two, you know, um, and uh, it's it was one of my first like obsessions. It was Yu Gi Oh, and did, it's certainly my, did, my longest. Yeah. Did you ever Did you ever get um, the Toys R Us VHS? That they sent out when the show was first coming out. Um, I knew people who did, and I actually found one at like a um, at a local store, and you got one. You, I remember you telling me this. Um, that was yeah. But I mean, like so many iconic things, like like Dark Magician, Blue Eyes White Dragon, Exodia. Like, the, like these are these are the mascots. These are like the Pikachu's. Karibo. of Yu-Gi-Oh. Kari- oh my god, Karibo is always fun. One of my favorite things when I went to my first New York Comic Con, they had a whole Yu Gi Oh like booth. It was a whole cool experience, and they had hey so they were giving away these free Karibo headbands, where it's like a giant Karibo is on your head. Basically, I still have it somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kazuki Takahashi. I mean, um, he was responsible definitely for a lot of my early friendships in my life, and some of my friendships that I still um, that I still have, and. Uh, you know, uh, just want to take an opportunity to say say thank you, and just uh, uh, you know, we we definitely lost a legend there. I imagine millions reflect that statement. Yeah, um, for sure. But um, the most relevant to our podcast um, now, this was a, this was one that I definitely had to mention. LQ Jones. That name may or may not sound familiar, depending on what circles you operate in. Um, but no, more famously, not related to this show, he was in a bunch of Sam Peckinpah movies, uh, The Wild Bunch, one of the most famous movies, famous westerns, great movie. Mm-hmm. Also, he, I, the, um, he directed, I think, The Boy and the Boy and His Dog, which is like a sort of cult movie he directed. Um, okay. And more importantly for our show, he was the iconic, at least for us, three-fingered Jack in... The Mask of Zorro. Uh, Nobody's tough as Jack. Nobody's tough as Jack. Nobody's tough as Jack. Um, I think that's the only way you could re- we could really uh, 
give a tribute to him as just doing that. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, sir. Like, what a memorable, what a memorable screen presence. Honestly, the moment he shows up, you you, you don't forget him, and then and then we get surprised when he shows up again and and goes out in a blaze of glory. Yep, chef's kiss, amazing, truly. So yeah, rest in peace to to, to all those guys, and then they all contributed to one way i mean obviously we have so many memories more like obviously or either more recent or you know they've been in our lives for a long time and you know they'll always be there they'll always uh what all their work um contributed so much to our our youth and and even to this day so thank you to each and every one of you for that um but in a weird transition, how are you? <laughs> well, aside from that, I'm actually pretty okay. Um, I'm feeling are you, a lot. Have you recovered? I'm feeling well? a lot better. My my sense of smell and taste isn't fully. The, I'd say it's like eighty five percent back. That's a lot better than I would have thought, and I'm very happy about that. Um, so like, and that I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, hopefully it it gets back to a hundred percent. You know, I'm not. You know. holding out too much hope but we'll see what happens um as long as what happened to you didn't like as long as what happened to john and kenny doesn't happen to you yeah i was no i know john his got like reversed and that sucks no i I was so bad for him i was thinking about that and i'm like i'm grateful that that didn't happen to me um it was just more mine was more just like things got dulled like yeah it didn't have the same pizzazz um but going beyond that, I went to the movies for the first time since COVID, and it was not for Thor 4. <laughs> it was not for Thor 4. Nope. <laughs> I was not feeling the love or the thunder. Uh, well, I mean, at least not from Thor, but not, you were not, feeling it from somewhere else. Somewhere else. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, the quickness and the subtleness of... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um if you couldn't tell what i was referencing i i saw the the new baz Luhrmann flick elvis oh man <laughs> I'm just, i still got the oh <laughs> I, still got, I still got the that's gonna just be lingering in my head <laughs> the rest of, just it's, this last week it was wah, wah, wah. this week it's oh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a Joe did it Diane you like my movie oh <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs> or, 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 I, I love the video that's been passing around on on Twitter where he eats the microphone just oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing and he does that in the movie. <laughs> it's incredible. Um. Anyway, getting back to talking about it. Now, this is a movie that's heavily discoursed because the subject matter is, you know, uh, let's just say is a figure that has a lot of feelings um, for a multitude of reasons and all valid, you know, in a lot of ways, um, hmm. you know, but he's undeniably a huge pop culture figure um, and is a figure that was uh, huge in my early childhood, honestly, as far as like music. I mean, Suspicious Minds is in like my top three, if not top two songs of all time. It's incredible. Um, but see, and I was excited for this movie because I'm like, hey, a, a major at a major, you know, big screen movie musical for Elvis made by Baz Luhrmann. Okay. Baz Luhrmann, you know, 
whether you Moulin love Rouge, Moulin Rouge, Great Gatsby, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Ah, we we synced there. It was fun. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm moving my hips, but it doesn't work as well on the podcast. All right, um, but you know, whatever, regardless what you how we feel about him, he's a very distinct style. In, in his movies, and while the movie's, like, story is, like, somewhat of a typical biopic, a musical biopic, unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, which Bohemian Rhapsody really doesn't have, like, a style to it so much, it is just feels like a book report, um, this movie is infused with a lot of style and a lot of swagger and uh, charisma, and listen, 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 if nothing, Austin Butler, Austin frickin' Butler... Um, I know there are people, like, I remember when Solo was coming out and people were like, oh, why doesn't this person who does a good Harrison Ford impression and look like Harrison Ford play it? And it's like, there's a difference between an impersonation and giving a performance. And Austin Butler gives a performance. He is fantastic in this movie. He is so good. He does the moves. He does a lot of his own singing. What's interesting is, like, not to, I don't know, going on for a bit about Elvis, but, like, he a lot of the early stuff in the movie is Austin Butler, but then later on they sort of merge his voice with Elvis's a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of like you can kind of tell too when you when you're listening. But he's incredible in the movie, and it's especially impressive given that Elvis himself was such a character, and it's so it, Elvis is so defined by like the later part of his career and like Elvis impersonators. He's got a weird legacy, Elvis. Um, Very true, obviously. And then of course there's Tom Hanks. <laughs> who is like a Saturday morning like cartoon character out of like a drug PSA or something or don't talk to strangers like he's that type of like over the top this is your brain this is your brain on Elvis <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um but it was incredible honestly and and seeing seeing Austin Butler you know perform as Elvis, like it was, um, it was an amazing experience. So I, I definitely recommend it if you feel safe going to the theater, see it on the big screen. I can't wait to own it on 4K. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm also makes it gets me excited for Dune two because Austin Butler is going to be um, Fade yeah, Rotha. One, yeah. yeah, he's going to be the Sting character. So I'm very excited about that. I just know him from Disney Channel, which it's always nice when like, you know actors that you knew from a certain standpoint because like obviously there's that unfortunate stigma with kids television programs or like even teen television like you know when you think of cw or you think of disney channel there's that stigma of like oh you know they're only like this way but you forget that these are people and that they will like they're they're actors and you know like i think it's zendaya sort of same ballparks zendaya uh, came from the Disney Channel, and now she's one of the biggest things ever, and she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love her on Euphoria. Like for the for how weird that show is, she is very good on that show. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I can't wait to see her explode in Dune Two. Just yeah, like speaking of Dune Two, <laughs> or I think of like Jensen Eccles. You know, he was always relegated to that. Su- I've never watched Supernatural, so I can't speak to you know his his performance, but. 
in the boys as soldier boy he's very good yes he's very good and um he also does a really good job voicing batman in the the long halloween batman thing but he's also a huge batman fan so it's like he's not going to squander that no even if it is just a vocal performance um but it's you know it's the same ballpark though honestly it's all performance and Mm -hmm. it's all matters just as much as each other but um no, I, I, I think I, I'm kind of like done with music biopics, but what sold me to want to actually try and watch Elvis was when someone said it's the Speed Racer of biopics, which which you haven't watched Speed Racer, right? Right, no, so, I haven't. So, so you don't know the context of it, but hopefully that saying that makes you want to watch Speed Racer, because that's it, such a great movie. It does. <laughs> um, this movie feels like it's on speed, like... I felt bad because, listen, like, there was an older audience, obviously, because older people enjoy Elvis. Like, average yeah. age, I would say, would be, like, 60s or 70s in the audience. And it was just sad because, like, the, our, theater, our, theater, our screen was a little far away from the bathroom. So whenever they had to leave to go to the bathroom, I felt so bad because they were missing, especially in the first half, they were missing so much like it, it, it like, ah, there we go with this. And it, ah. It's like a... <laughs> but, like, I think you know unfortunate bathroom uh placing aside i think it's very fitting for this subject matter because elvis you know he died at a very young age and his life was a roller coaster um to say that like a lot of you know a lot of like famous um you know stars and tragic musicians and all that but yeah i i'm definitely on on the camp that this is a, a great movie and it's a movie that I keep thinking about in like good ways whereas there's some movies i've seen this year where i'm like the more i think about them i'm like Dear God, mm. I'd never want to see him again. <laughs> uh, I hate when that happens, but I am happy that that at least this one was was uh, of Joe Dinny Dan quality. Like like some of those movies, I th- I'm, I'm I'm referring to. It's like uh, to borrow another phrase from Elvis: "Return to sender." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> all right but how how are you uh how are you doing uh yeah you know, i'm actually waiting for food again like, uh, so, so that's about to that's about to arrive i just had to turn off my vibrations so that uh the notifications popping up wouldn't just go um but other than that you know i'm, I'm doing fairly all right i woke up probably like 45 minutes ago <laughs> and it's mind you it's also past one o'clock in the afternoon so. yeah so you know that's 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 typical for me especially these days i've been getting a lot of night shifts at work which i i, I used to do nothing but night shifts so it's kind of a nice uh go back to you know how things used to be um other than that i've just been watching movies i've just been uh working at and just chilling at home um uh, work's been pretty crazy because obviously you mentioned like the new Thor movies out, and you know I'll fully admit I am pretty sad that it is getting as divisive reactions as it is because I was really excited to see it. The one thing that really broke me though was like my one friend at work. They are uh, a really big Taika Waititi fan, but they're also um, like they don't care much for Marvel movies. But Taika is sort of because like they love Thor Ragnarok for one. Mm-hmm. Um, they went and saw it, and they came out of it and said, "I didn't think I liked that one." Wow, and that that broke me a little bit. I was like, "Oh no, that was my that was my holdout that maybe <laughs> maybe this one person who likes." But it's 
from but from what they've described it's understandable just because especially um there was i was reading some articles about this there was supposed to be um there was like this hype that the movie would have a, a bit more representation for the lgbtq especially with valkyrie's character but she apparently gets sidelined and doesn't get any of that which unfortunately is par for the course with disney like they'll give you like a minute maybe of like the most basic if not like minuscule amount of representation and everything else is subtext crumbs <laughs> it's literally it's literally like just 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 a little sprinkle just a little, just a little little dash of representation i don't know it's just i haven't seen the movie so i can't i don't know what happens but um I heard it's a little, it's pretty lackluster in that regard. But it's so funny because then there will, there'll be the other side of it where people get really mad over like a two second kiss that happens in Lightyear. Like, what? What are you doing? So, Where is that happening? Like, at this point, if you're just going to get that outrage, you might as well just ha- like ramp it up, like make it super gay at this point. <laughs> so, why not? <laughs> Man, and it's a visual medium. Let them see it. Let them see the smooches. Let them, let them, let them get, you know. You know what I'm saying? Just... Uh-huh. <laughs> let him let him do things. Little less conversation, little more action. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're so obnoxious. Uh, oh my god. Yes. Uh, if anyone wants to punch us, we get it. <laughs> but um yeah, so I am a little bit bummed by that and then I heard Taika Waititi say something about director's cuts, which it was one of the first times I was like, I don't know if I agree with what he's saying here. Other than that, it's, it's just kind of a let down situation, it seems, when it comes to Taika, which I, I was hoping Taika Waititi wouldn't come, wouldn't be joining the ranks of like Patty Jenkins and Sam Mendes for making like a great initial entry in a franchise and then like crap in the bed with the second movie. Man, I don't know. It's like, oof. so I mean, again. I haven't seen it. Joey hasn't seen it, so we can't speak for the quality of Thor: Love and Thunder. It could be a Last Jedi situation where it's like everyone else hates it, and we're both just like, "That was, that was pretty good." But I'm, I'm seeing it tomorrow, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it's a good time. Yeah, so I'm hoping it's a good time too. But um, if it isn't, then you know it is what it is. I still like Ragnarok. Yeah, <laughs> Ragnarok's still great. We talked about it on the show. We did. Uh, what else is going on? Um, Honestly, nothing really. I just I think the food's about to show up, so I think that's my anticipation. But I'll try not to eat while we're talking, though I always fail at doing that. Oh. Um. Good lord. But no, I'm I'm actually overjoyed for this week's episode because we got two very exciting movies. Um, fun fact about, about, uh, about us is that we're both, um, well, Joey specifically, because Joey lives close by, but we're both big fans of New York City. Mm. Um, you know, the, the history, you know, the, all the different, you know, locations there. I've been to New York City a grand total, I believe five times, two of which I was with Joey. Joey's been there more times than I can count. Because he's very, very lucky in that regard. That he just happened to be born <laughs> fairly close. A relatively short train ride, uh, 
you know, about like 100 minutes uh, to New York City for me, which is nice. And the city has so many, so much, so many stories to tell. And so that's what that's in one, in many ways, that's what this week is all about is two very specific New York stories. Granted, you know, they're both fictionalized uh, stories, but it's still in many ways, they're both movies that take New York City and make it as much a character as um, all the characters in the pieces themselves. And also very New York City, they're musicals. Mm -hmm. Musicals have returned to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Stop. (laughs) Extra, extra, read all about it. No, sorry. No, 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 I have no idea. It was just a noise. (laughs) Do you want to do it all just a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, we're not talking beautiful. about Elvis, by the way. That's not our. Uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. Because isn't Elvis? Elvis is from. Where's he from? Uh, down south. <laughs> yeah, in that area. Um, now we want to do something a little bit different. So how we always do this show is that we'll have our two movies, and then we'll do like release order as far as. How, which one we talk about first however in the very last minute before joey and i decided to record joey had a suggestion given um how these movies sort of connect in a weird way what if we talk about them from a timeline uh connection versus a release date so instead of the first movie being the first movie that got released we're talking about the newer of these two movies. Joey, what are we talking about? Richard, Richard, we are talking about Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story. <gasps> I hope you're prepared. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what have it's I not, done? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> Live with it! Oh my god, yes, West Side Story. Um, We didn't really talk about this ahead of time, but I imagine you reflect this sentiment. Um, There is one aspect of this movie that we just want to get out straight away, I imagine. Um, There is a problematic actor in the movie. We're not talking about him at all. There's no point in it. We'll mention his character, but at the end of the day, it's just no bueno. We're not doing it. No bueno, indeed. Yeah, I'm with you there. So um, don't expect us to even mention his name, if I'm being honest. Which is also funny, because he was in the running for Elvis. (laughs) I know! I saw that the other day, and I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, They actually gave him a spot? Really really dodged a bullet there. But um, I think aside from that, this is one of... I I think you might agree with me. This is one of Steven Spielberg's best. Oh, without a doubt. Like, the only reason it's even worth talking about knowing that there's a problematic individual in the film is because of how fantastic everything else around him is. Yes. Like, the I w- like the first thing you notice when you watch it is um, every single shot is perfect. Like, you know, you, you see that, like, that thing, that one perfect shot, mm-hmm. like, social page. Um, I imagine every single shot in West Side Story would perfectly fit there. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so... M- the cinema... T- I think, that, like, from a technical standpoint, it is just so 
impressive for once. It, it reminds you why Spielberg is who he is. And it's not like Spielberg's been slouching either. He's made some really good movies in the 2000s and the 20s. Like, listen, like he knows what he's doing. But th- yeah. you, you can clearly tell, like, this is clearly a story he's very passionate about. So he is he is firing on all cylinders um, for this for this production. And it's kind of like for me, like I, I there are great serious Spielberg movies, but I'm I'm more of a Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park kind of guy. And I feel like West Side Story sort of bridges those two worlds of the serious like Spielberg more, you know, more serious filmmaker Spielberg, but also like great popcorn Spielberg. Like because I think about all the dance sequences in this um in this film so amazing amazing like um impressive impressive choreography for one um i mean i i, I i'm thinking about like america in particular which is already mm-hmm. like a number that you have that you have to live up to a, like this is a very famous musical outside of this version okay it has an yes. oscar yes. it has an oscar winning <laughs> Uh, movie version from the 60s you know that is also <laughs> a widely beloved movie okay very true very true <laughs> like this is there's a lot stacked against it and it already had it just it's just like it's like regardless of who's involved like how are they gonna be able to top this and somehow even with certain elements spielberg and everybody involved did it yeah absolutely. they did it and they did it ten, like I watch obviously, you know, I didn't see it in theaters though. I would I, admittedly this is one movie I wish I worked up the nerve to, you know, try to find a comfortable position and actually see it in theaters cuz it's a visual spectacle and the 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 dance sequences um anytime uh a dress is spun, I'm like freaking out with excitement like a like like a like a 45-year-old dad at a football game. I'm just yes. like, yeah! <laughs> I'm like that baby and that gift. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Whenever a dress is twirled in this movie, I'm like, but yes. There's so many shots in this that are just that just linger in my mind. Um, one of which, in particular, during like Maria, where like you see like the puddle. You know what I'm oh talking about? Oh my god! Yeah, it's, isn't that like the most incredible like thing you've ever seen? Are you have to get eat, your food? My yeah, it's <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, it's 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 being brought in as we speak. Oh wow, amazing! You want to say hi? I'm being quiet. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, what's for lunch today? Um, it is a place called Bibby Bob. It's an Asian. Um, uh, it's kind of like an Asian Chipotle. Oh. I guess it's sort of a new place that we got recently. Uh-huh. I'm trying to open. I'm trying to open this. Um, in in this little bowl, we got rice. We got eggs. We got steak. We got potatoes. Nice. We got cheese. We got sriracha, which I am pouring on now. And something called yum yum sauce. But it's really good. So I don't know. Nice. Very nice. But so I just kind of throw those all together and. And that's my that's my lunch. That's your lunch. But this is like visually so many like so many great shots. Another one of my favorite shots comes in uh, when they do the like the quintet or whatever for tonight, and it's the shot the- of Riff on like what looks like his like sort of like makeshift throne as they're preparing mm-hmm. to face the sharks. We're gonna 
I, I don't remember the lyrics, but it's like, da 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 tonight. It's like one of my favorite, like, sequences in the whole, like, it's so hard for me to say, like, a favorite scene, because there's, like, five favorite scenes. Right? You're you're watching the movie, and you're like, oh, this is probably my favorite. And then something else happens, like, okay, this might be my favorite. Like, I think I lean the most on the duet between Tony and Maria, just because, A, it's a great song. Tonight. The and, regular tonight. Yeah, <laughs> the regular tonight. But also, because that's the first time we really get to hear um, newcomer uh, Rachel Zegler as Maria, who is by far my favorite in the whole movie. She's incredible. And uh, when when she first, when she comes out, she's like, only you, you're the only thing I'll see. Like, she's tears. really doing a lot of the weight for this um for this romance like she is yes <laughs> she is like like she's really selling it um i think that's one thing that i liked the one thing i pre- like really preferred in the original was that i believed the romance more um in the original film with natalie wood and the other act richard something or other the name escapes me um mm-hmm. but i believe the romance more in that one but that said rachel zegler does a, a terrific job um, with this role she is so charismatic um she's fan i'm thinking about the scene where after she does tonight and she wakes up and she has to pretend like you know her hair <laughs> she just got out of bed yes yeah it's so good she kicks the she takes the dress off she puts on the like robe thing yes and she's like lipstick and then she's just, like messing the hair and then she just like rolls in the bed and then gets back out yes it's so good incredible but i mean there's so many great scenes i mean tonight I'm sure you'll agree America is fabulous and is radically restaged from like what we know in the the 60s version, right? Cuz it's on the rooftop, it's at night, but this is like mm-hmm. in the daylight and they're basically daylight out in the street. Yep. Uh, and then just the dress that uh Ariana DeBose is wearing with the the white or not the white but the yellow dress with like the red mm-hmm. underneath, which seems to be like um I don't know if that was like maybe there's like a character thing that they decided cuz she has red under her dress a lot. Yeah, but it. I think it's just because it's a great contrast with whatever's on top. So like, she she along with everybody else like is just just this incredible dance choreography out in the street singing this you know song, and uh, they go to all different types. Like they went they go to the gym uh, where Bernardo does his boxing, his boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to. Uh, they go like they just go in the middle of the street. They're going down this alleyway. They're like, I think that's a real testament also to Spielberg because, you know, obviously when it comes to adapting anything from one medium to another, there's the trickiness. And, you know, we've talked about this before whether it's something like, say, the producer's adaptation of that musical and just how it's blocked stage mm-hmm. like a musical would be as opposed to what a film would be. Where Spielberg is like, this is a film, this is a movie, so we need to structure it a certain way, which means we also have freedom to move around. Yeah, we have we have freedom to like really use the West Side as as freely as we need to to tell this story. So you look at that scene, and that's sort of a, a great example of how well they were able to translate something that you know, because especially when I was watching this before uh this week's episode i kept thinking how does this look on uh how 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 did they set this up on broadway because it would be so curious or like 
um, I thought I thought a similar thing for, for uh, the next movie. I'll talk about that maybe later, but uh, it's again absolute props for actually adapting the show for a film, which mm-hmm. is a struggle, obviously. So, but I mean, also too, like when you think like the choreography is one of the first things people think about when they think about the original like West Side Story movie. That and, and the snaps and the snaps, of course, that's a big part of it. And that that feel while it's amazing, it definitely a movie. It definitely feels like an adaptation of the stage. So like, I feel like I am seeing, in some sense, a translation of the Broadway show to a movie screen. Whereas this is a truly a movie at like a really a movie adaptation. Um, like they're they're shooting a film here. But I mean, all the like so many of the performances are so good. Obviously, we mentioned Ariana DeBose who. Won an Oscar. Won an Oscar, um, which is also interesting because Rena Moreno, who also appears in this movie as a different character, played Anita in the original West Side Story movie and won an Oscar. So it's so uh, now Anita the- from West Side Story is. Oh, were you about to say this? That was what to say. No, you can go ahead though. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, well, Anita is another one of those characters um, that has won an Oscar, played by a different actor. So you got Anita. There's Joker, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and um, then uh, Vito. Vito Corleone. Yep. So, uh, very interesting. I want to see the uh, the poker game with these three. <laughs> but it's also interesting too because it's the only time where it's like for the same type of award because both um, uh, Aaron Debose and Rita Moreno won for best supporting actress, whereas that's the right. Other, the other two alternated between lead actor and supporting actor. Because Heath Ledger was supporting, right. uh, Joaquin was lead, and then uh, Marlon Brando was lead, De Niro was supporting. But that's a whole other thing. Um, she's great. Um, we talked about Bernardo a bit. David Alvarez is fantastic as Bernardo. He's so good. Like his, like the dancing, the like his his chem- his chemistry, his chemistry with Ariana Debose is incredible. Yes, like just the the elect the electricity happening between those two. Um, and then were you about to mention Riff? Yes. Uh, who M- Mike um, Mike Feist is? I think Feist. Mike Feist. Feist. Fe- but uh, S- incredible. We're, we're we're sorry if we messed that up, but we liked but you in this movie quite a bit, he, sir. He was so so good in this movie. He's dripping with charisma. Yeah, like like anytime he like just stood there like all relaxed with his like arms arched and his hands like in his belt. Yes. Like you knew, like he command respect amongst the Jets, and you get it. Like you like, understand. You you wonder why all these like weird uh, white kids <laughs> are like following him. You're like, I get it. But I, it just, I mean, I get it's, it. It's in huge contrast to like the the '60s version where you have that riff, um, who's not bad <laughs> in the movie, but he's clearly like not like a young per young no, person. He looks like it's like a grease kind of thing. <laughs> he's like. Uh, he just he just got his second colonoscopy, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, anyway, uh, I think they're all, they're all terrific. Um, it's also crazy too because this movie doesn't have really like big stars in it. Um, I think one one of the only ones I can think of, not like a big star, but he's somebody who's pretty reliable, uh, is Corey Stoll, plays uh, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Shrank. And it's always weird when he wears a wig. Yes, because uh, obviously, if you know Corey Stahl, you know he's famously bald. Um, 
though. It's always nice to see him, though. Even in Ant-Man, which I don't particularly care for Ant-Man, but it was nice to see him there, nonetheless. I wish um, he had a, had a better villain role. Oh, yeah. The Marvel wasted him, but I was happy to see his face. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad he gets paid. And he was on The Strain, which is another New York-centric show um, where he played uh, someone that worked for the C- uh, CDC because mm-hmm. um, there was a big outbreak of vampirism. Yes. Uh, he's he's currently on Billions right now. The, I've never the, watched that show. Um, I've seen bits and pieces. It's very good. Um, they brought him in uh, because, was it, um, I forget his name, the... Um, his his wife passed away though in real life. Uh, Helen McCrory passed away. Uh, was it Lu- like Damian Lewis? Okay, Damian Lewis. I, I, you you know I, him if you saw him, but like he he sort of like had stepped away from acting, and they they brought Corey Stallings a new character. From what my mom told, tells me, he's very good on the show. But that's good. Um, I actually I think his presence in this is great because like he's a character. He knows he can't relate to the the Puerto Rican characters. Um. The, the um Hispanic characters in the movie, um, mm-hmm. and he's he's trying to say to the white guys like listen, listen, like you are a bunch of failures, and <laughs> like you guys suck, you guys <laughs> suck. You're fighting over nothing, okay? And like because, we're about to break it down, and you're fighting over it. But like that that's the thing that's the thing with this is like this very much takes place in a real historical context where they're clearing the slums. Uh, to literally put in Lincoln Center, which is where this movie had its premiere <laughs> at Lincoln. So it's kind of a weird, like, uh, uh, like cool. Uh, <laughs> and it, don't, it definitely colors my memories of going to Lincoln Center in a very different way. But, you know, very, very real and very tragic things that went on where people's homes were, were literally destroyed. People had to had to leave. Um, Robert Moses, um, the nicest thing you can say, he's a piece of shit. Look him up. He's probably one of the most powerful people to never be elected to to a specific position of power. <sighs> people, um, people, yeah, people suck. I think um, you know that. Remember that uh, Edward Norton movie, uh, Motherless Brooklyn, Brooklyn that came out a few years ago. Did you say Brookerland at first? Brookerland, <laughs> broker, Brokerland, <laughs> Brokerland. Um, Motherless Brooklyn. I, so you- I do. I do. Didn't he direct that one? I think he did, and I think it's loosely based on, like, stuff about Robert Moses. Um, and Defunct Land also, did, like, his season three videos, a lot of them are very much focused on Robert Moses. Um, you know, so this, like, this movie, it's very much, like, set up as, like, these people are doomed. The characters in this movie, like, there is nothing they can do. So it's it's very much like a, like a tragedy. You know, all these things are happening to them. Um... And like again, they're effectively fighting over nothing because they're gonna lose it. Mm. And that's like speaking of tragedies, like because fun fact, just to reiterate the narrative of this movie in case you're not familiar with West Side Story, because personally, for me, I was not familiar with the story of West Side, the story of West Side Story, mm-hmm. um, until I saw this movie because I knew obviously a handful of the songs, and I knew about the dancing and the snapping. But outside of that, I wasn't really familiar. But essentially, this is Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. So we have these two factions. You got the Jets. You have the Sharks. Sharks are the Puerto Ricans, and the Jets are the the Caucasian people. Uh, who these two uh, groups are fighting over territory, but obviously there's a lot of other things involved as well in that uh, in that 
back and forth. Um, and then two people from each side, though neither of them, one of them was more directly associated with the gang violence. The other one is just unfortunately related to one of the gang members. Um, you have Tony and you have Maria. Tony, I don't know. I think it's, is it the same pretty much in the show? And then, then like the original movie, I don't remember as far as Tony's background. I mean, he's trying to stay out of trouble basically like because he's effectively on parole um i think they if i remember correctly they go more into it here in the like why he was in prison what he was involved with and it it makes it makes it like you know it also helps it make sense like oh my gosh when he does like certain things in this you know yeah so like um tony was a member of the gang he's best friends with riff but after a specific incident where he nearly kills a guy, he goes to prison and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I, I want to just, you know, exist and just keep on keeping on. And then he meets Maria, who is the sister of Bernardo, who's kind of, the, I guess he's the leader of the Sharks. Or Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't really want to be involved. You know, she just kind of wants to do her own thing. You know, and uh, they go to a dance and they meet, and that's when it gets complicated. Just immediately, just because again, two two different people from two like opposing sides were fighting each other. Neither of them are happy about it. Though more specifically, Bernardo's like, "I'm gonna kill this guy." Riff's like, "Why aren't you fighting with us? You're a traitor." And it all like if you know Romeo and Juliet, you know it's not gonna end well. No, it's 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 really not going to end well. Um, it's it's kind of um, it's it's definitely an interesting thing to look at though, because I know some people have talked about like let we need to stop like raising this story up as far as like relevance, because there's definitely like as a story, it's like a little like you know creaky in some areas as far as like a like, age, you know. But I will, yeah. but I have to give them uh, credit and like uh, Tony Kushner. Um, I believe did the screenplay for this. They do Constant a good collaborator with uh, Spielberg on that note. Um, they did a really good job, like updating this and making it less so. Um, but but it still is the same story. It's the same story, ends the same place. You get the same songs, you know. Um, but there are definitely differences. One of which is that Rita Moreno um, plays a character that is not in the original West Side Story. It's sort of a stand-in for the Doc character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, honestly, I kind of look at it as like a meta sense, where it's just like, yeah, we're still dealing with a lot of this shit, and I, and like Rita Moreno's like 90 years old, so you're just like, man, we really haven't fixed much of anything. <laughs> no, no, we're pretty much exactly where we were, it feels like, half the time. Um, But, I mean, there's just so many like great scenes. I mean, I think about the... Uh, Gee, Officer Krupp. Like the way that scene is staged, I love it so much. It's it's such an incredible scene, but like there's that there's this one shot that that takes me out in a, in a in a way that it doesn't take me out in like a bad way, but there's a shot when they're like twirling around and they're saying we're sick, we're sick, we are sick, 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 and then the camera pans out and you're seeing like that woman sitting in the cage just trying to block herself away from these creeps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it really puts it in perspective like these guys are terrible. <laughs> Like they're like they're coming up with these worst excuses ever for why they're so troubled. Like, you know, my father 
you know, obviously, you know, maybe some things are more justifiable than others, but like my my sister has a mustache, my brother wears a dress. <laughs> that's why you're a mess. Really? Horioski, <laughs> that's why I'm a mess. <laughs> Officer Krapke. Oh like, my god. That that was such a terrific um <coughs> sequence. I mean but but also it helps too that we're not dealing with like brown face in this in this. Thank version. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think about I think about like um, the guy who plays Bernardo in the original, who won an Oscar by the way in the original, and I'm just like that just feels so cartoony and like dis- like terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really does. <laughs> oh my god! But I mean, because again, like, and I also think about like Natalie Wood in the original West Side Story because. Um, for it's a weird thing because on one hand, like she is not Puerto, she's not Puerto Rican, you know, she's not Hispanic, you know. But yeah. like, on the other hand, it's she obviously had an incredibly tragic circumstance in life, and it's one of her most iconic roles. I'm sure if you mentioned like, oh, where where do you know Natalie Wood from? Probably going to be like West, West Side Story. Story, West Side Story, you know, um, OG Maria, OG Maria, <laughs> as far as the movies go. But um, you know, it it just it re- this movie really surprised me and. Oh, so good though. I think I think the biggest takeaway that I had was when I was watching it. Um, initially, you know, like I love Spielberg. You love Spielberg. Like Spielberg, I know people have sort of downplayed Spielberg a lot more lately. And yeah, he's made some great movies, but also people, you know, I think people are more naturally negative, unfortunately. But um, also, it's just you know, people tend to forget that there's some directors out there, which we, we talked a lot, a lot about that last year because there were so many amazing directors releasing movies that no one saw. Yeah. I mean, cause, um, around that time, nightmare alley came out and I felt like my mom, my brother and I were one of six people who saw it in theaters, you know? Right. <laughs> and then we didn't, and then I didn't, I mean, obviously I didn't, I don't go to the theater anymore at the moment, but like, you know, we, neither of us saw the last duel until no. much later. And that's an incredible ter- movie. Terrific movie. Um so it was it's 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 again it's just you know Spielberg came out with this reminder of why he's one of the greats and you know introduced us to incredible performers like, you know, Rachel Zegler for one. Though we we knew her from Schmigadoon, but you know, she really blew up with this, uh, with Arnie and DeBose. Yes. Um, and then just so many other amazing talents that I, I want to see. I was happy that she showed up in Westworld because mm-hmm. she's in the new season. Um, so I want to see more of these people. I'm super excited to see whatever they do next. Um, and this movie, like, I cry so many times watching this movie. <laughs> I, I cry at the end. Um, I cry... Uh, during like at least eight of the songs, I think there might only be eight. I don't remember, but I cried all of them. <laughs> it is a musical. Um, it's it is musical, and he just—it's not even like just like I'm sad. It's just that the everything put on screen is so beautiful that you just kind of start. Like, it sounds so cheesy and corny, but it's true. It's it's true. It's true. It's it's, it's genuinely just, true. It's it's really like. 2021 had some really great movies. Like there's some bangers in 2021. I mean, I mean, the West Side Story. Um, I know you didn't see Drive My Car, but that was a great one. Dude. I'm excited to see it when I get to. Um, you know, just Nightmare Alley, of course. Um, mm. Really, some great stuff there. Um, but it's also just incredible that you know, 
I mean, that that's something that that was originally conceived like like seventy, almost like seventy years ago, can still mm. be feel this and, fresh. And on that note. I, I hate that it took us f- 51 minutes to get to this, but Stephen fucking Sondheim. Yes. <laughs> Absolute goddamn legend that that man was. May he rest in peace. I mean, I love this. I thought a lot of Sweeney Todd as well, uh, because that's another adaptation of his work that I love dearly. Yep. Especially, you know, I even think of like comparisons like just music cues that sound similar, or the fact that, you know, Maria... Joanna, which is interesting because Sondheim just wrote the lyrics to this. I don't want to say just wrote the lyrics to no, but yeah, but like you got to mention Sondheim and then the um, who is the other gentleman? Leonard Bernstein. Incredible work. Sometimes I listen to the the, there's an end the end credits music of just it's like all like the songs basic all the music for all the songs and it's incredible. I listen to that track all the time. So Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim fucking icons you know i I, again i'm sad that it took us this long to mention it but they have to be mentioned yes yes because Uh, if it wasn't for these people this whole thing wouldn't exist you know also gotta um put up jerome robbins um who's involved the original adaptation and is one of the credited um co-directors of the of the original film um and you know just mention him for sure I think that's about it for what we have to say about this movie. Um, it's terrific. It's streaming at a couple places, you know. Hey, Joey. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, I have to really go... I have to make a rush up to Washington Heights. Will you come with me? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. One, two, one, two... Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. <laughs> because it feel, turns out I am the closest thing to an adult in the room. And we're back! <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Um, if you haven't turned this off for the... Excessive Elvis references. Thank you uh, for listening to this far into the show. Anyway, we are you kidding me? People have stayed for the excessive Elvis references. <laughs> Maybe some. Maybe some. Maybe some. If you uh, if you're still here for that, can you let us know, please? <laughs> yeah, I guess let us know. But you know, um, because of the sh- change up, obviously, um, the movie we talked about, like before, what the Spielberg West Side Story came out after our se- second feature. But because of the way this narrative and the storyline uh, sort of takes place, we felt, or at least I felt anyway, it'd be better to just in the heights for our second half. So I, I guess I already spoiled what we we're going to talk about. In the Heights <laughs> is our second film, John Chu's film. Woo! Yes. 
Sorry, I still have food in my mouth. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I failed. Now, this uh, this came out last year, like the other movie, and both mo- both of these movies, while well-received, were box office um, bombs, effectively. Which, it, when you see them, uh, say, like, if years later, you watch these movies for the first time, and you ask, you know, why did these movies bomb? It would be so sad. Yeah. <laughs> you should have you seen these. Um, I wish I saw this in theaters. I actually wa- catched In the Heights on the last day it was streaming on HBO Max um, of that 30-day period. You know what's funny about that? Mm. Because you just watched Hamilton not long before that and loved it dearly and were like obsessed with it. And so I was just surprised that it took you that long to watch In the Heights. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just just I was in a mood. I, I don't know. I really can't. I can't explain. Like it. I overstuffed myself with Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, <laughs> but uh, no. But I ended up falling in love with this movie. I, I I do. I don't watch it in full all the time. Admittedly, I watch. I mean, it's the whole thing is great. I think. But Same. I, I watch that opening scene. I think I've watched that opening scene more than any other single scene in a movie. Hey y'all. Good morning. Like uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the brain behind Hamilton, uh, you know, wrote the songs for this. And uh, the, he's so good at writing opening numbers for things. Like, I think about the family Madrigal in Encanto and how catchy that is and how it just it's so good catches you up on everything. Moana. Mm-hmm. The opening track of that one's incredible. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think I tend to, like, sometimes I'll just put on the my disc for in the heights just to watch that bit and then then at the end in washington heights and then the title comes out i'm like all right i can i can pause now i, I got my fill yes that's the rest of it's not great because it is but i got my fill that opening i got scene, what i wanted like like i think i mean it's not a contest i think the spielberg west side story is a better movie but as far as like a single scene <laughs> that i love the most it's it's the, in the in the heights from in the heights um so this is not a romeo and juliet story this is more like obviously from a narrative standpoint i think there's or from a thematic standpoint there's uh well i guess from a tone standpoint i'll say that mm-hmm. from a tone standpoint this is different but it makes me think a lot of do the right thing yes yeah yeah, yeah. because it's about a block in new york city it's blistering hot um there's a blackout which is sort of like the central thing that happens in in uh in the heights um and uh, just just everything that happens, it kind of makes me think of that more so than what West Side Story. Because West Side Story is about dueling factions, if you will, or dueling people in uh, uh, the Lincoln in, in the West Side. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas this is really just about these individual people that live in Washington Heights that all have their own um, what's what's the dreams? But what did they say in the movie? Like, well, well, he has like the El Suenito. Um, yes, that's the, uh, the little the dream, dream. yeah, little dream, yeah. Um, so they all have their own Suenitos, Suenitos, and uh, so we got uh, our main character, effectively Usnavi, played by Anthony Ramos, um, returning on the show three times now. That's right, because because Godzilla mm-hmm. and Hamilton, Godzilla and Hamilton. Um, he plays Usnavi, who owns a bodega. In uh, in the Heights <laughs> with uh, his cousin Sonny, 
Um, and then we have uh, Vanessa, who um, is also uh, a returnee, because we talked about Scream. I keep forgetting. Did we talk, did we talk about the new one at any point? Not as a single no, episode, so not yet. we'll get there. But We'll get there, but she's in the new Scream movie, and she's great. Mm. But she plays, uh, but we got Vanessa played by Melissa Barrera. Barrera. And uh, she has uh, her own suenito about um, getting out. Like a lot, pretty much the collective feeling is they all want to leave, more or less. They, they want to leave. Um, they all have these, like, these, these big these big dreams, you know. Um, also, we got to talk about um, Nina. Nina, played by Batgirl. Yes. <laughs> the new Batgirl, which. On that note, I am I am excited for the new Batgirl. Um, it was it's directed by the guys that uh, did that that did the first episode of Miss Marvel mm-hmm. and like were prominently involved with that show. And based on that, I'm definitely excited because I like that first episode quite a bit. First episode's really good. But also, uh, it'll be the one of two Michael Keaton reemergences as Batman that uh, I could probably be more comfortable to watch. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> this is sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, the actor's name is Leslie Grace, I believe. I think so. Yes, I believe so. You're right. She's great in this. She's sort of the Nina, sort of the like um, the one that got out. Yeah, she went to Stanford and she was gonna make a name for herself. And everyone on the block was like, "Oh, Nina, she's she's the best one of us. You know, she got out." Da da da. Then she comes back and she feels so defeated. She feels like she let everybody down, and so she's just trying to get kind of process that feeling, and you know, especially for being pressured as much as she feels she has been right. with you know everything that she's you know tried to achieve in her life. And so um, we have that, and then we have Benny, who's played by um, uh, Doctor Dre, aka <laughs> 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 a- Corey Hawkins. He's also appeared on our show before. Mm-hmm. Because he was also in uh, the MonsterVerse episode with King Kong. And Skull Island, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he he works at the Dispatch with Nina's father, who is Bail Organa. Yeah, there's so many, like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so funny, because if you just replace it, like, played by this person who appeared in this thing you might have seen. It's great. <laughs> These but, are all great people. But it's so funny because their dad, it being Jimmy Smith, who is weird to say, he is the biggest star in this movie. I've, he really is. When you th- when you think, I mean, obviously, like if you know like musical stuff, and you, like you might know, like, you might recognize some of these people and have seen them in different. Like, but like, I feel like as far Le- as like a name, Lin Manuel shows up, he does. That, that's also like a cam- cameo appearance too. You know, but I think if you talk about like people that my mom would recognize. Or like just a random person, <laughs> Jimmy Smits is the uh, you know, which um, and you, you can't go wrong with that. No, no, that's nothing wrong. No. I love Jimmy Smits, um, but yeah, I actually Jimmy I actually that adds to my enjoyment of this movie is that there's not like a major like star. I mean, they all feel like movie stars because they're fantastic. Like Anthony Ramos yeah. is like he is so damn charming and charismatic. You you because I mean because again he's the one telling the story yes. of everything that's going on in Washington Heights and. The just his the way he presents himself, 
the the charisma the the kind of swagger that he has but also like the incredible like nervousness that he that he uh, exudes especially when Vanessa's around yes it's the most adorable thing ever <laughs> just, just like I love the bit when um she's really mad that she lost the chance to uh get her own place in a different area of New York City and uh he tries to cheer her up by like blowing uh onto the refrigerator door and then putting a smiley face and then he sticks his nose on it and then she, and then his cousin's just like jesus <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of works on her because she's kind of smiling and he's just like e- e- uh, you okay there's there's a lot of like love love shenanigans um going on with with this but there's also also this idea of like community and like you know like where you come from and stuff. Another character that exemplifies this too is uh, Abuela Claudia. We really Abuela have, Claudia. We really have to um, have to mention Olga Meredes, um, who I believe played this part on in the original Broadway run, and also Listen, voices Abuela in Encanto, in the singing parts. Anyway, I'm gonna tell you this right now. So we taught. So um, Abuela uh, is on the same level as Omi from <laughs> okay like as far as peak grandma status you can't go higher than omi and she easily gets up there for me she's so great she's so lovable she's so wonderful i love the bit when she's like i'm buying a bikini yes that i was just thinking that that was a funny scene and then uh she always says paciencia y fe which is her her musical number that's also incredibly well done. One of the, that's one of the oh, yeah. big highlights so, for me. So good um, is is that scene with her. Um, but you also get the sense where like she's like a huge like sort of helped raise the community kind of thing. Um, and but you know and obviously like she want you know she wants Usnami to do what makes him happy. But it's also the story is like we gotta like stand our ground at in our home. You know this is you know. For better or for worse, this this Washington Heights is our home, um, which makes again it connects. We're connecting back to West Side Story because they're clearing the slums in West Side Story, and you know this forces this ma- mass relocation of of people in New York. And where do they go? In the Heights. <laughs> um, I know there's like I I've never seen the original production of this on broadway um i know there's a number of changes that go on um particularly i think with the benny subplot and how it relates to kevin rosario because they deal more with race in the original Mm -hmm. broadway production and um that's that was one of the criticisms of this movie they kind of took it out a little bit kind yeah it's it's it was much more prevalent in the the stage version um and then one of the other main things that's exemplified by Sonny is the Dreamers. Now, the Dreamer, I mean, now... Mm-hmm. DACA. I'm, yes. Now, here's what I'll say about this. I have no problem with the inclusion like, of, of, like a, of a subplot like this. The problem is, you know, West Side Story takes place in a very specific time and place, right? Mm-hmm. Right? This, I mean, the blackouts that happened in In the Heights were based on true events that happened, like, I believe, like, in the early 2000s or something like that. It was, yeah. it was a real horrible thing that led to the deaths of people i don't know how many de- but like a, but a couple of died you know it was a serious thing um and with this it's like it it, it makes the timeline weird uh because you're talking about the dreamers and that's a very like obama era thing mm-hmm. like that the, there is that sort of 
weird aspect of it where like you you don't really know when this is set yeah because like there's like i don't are there smartphones i don't even remember i'm I'm trying to remember i i just saw it i was watching it today and like i can't remember for the life of me but you know like, like again like it's not the worst thing in the world, but I wish... No, I wish, but it, it could take you out a little it, bit. It, it does take me out because they bring up the dream. It's like saying, like, you like a period piece, and it's just like, oh, suddenly they're mentioning this piece of legislation or whatever that doesn't happen for decades or whatever. So it's definitely... That's definitely one of the big changes, too. Because obviously when, when, when Lin-Manuel ran... I think this premiered on Broadway, like, 2008, you know? Yeah. So it was a very different time, of course. I think it makes me think of, like... um to a smaller extent um when you see movies set in the 70s or like they they specify like 72 or 73 and they reference songs from like 76 or like or stranger things stranger things this this is a recent thing people have been talking about is like some of the songs don't match up with the exact like with the time period yeah which which happens so often yeah which like that's I think that's the big thing. It's like you're you're watching something that's set in a specific time period. Like they tell you it's set in a specific time period, and yet they can't seem to to get around the fact that what the like the music that they're introducing is nowhere near that time period. Like now, in some instances, when it's on purpose, I get it. Like I think of like a Knight's Tale, because in a Knight's Tale, not to ref on this too much more, but like in a Knight's Tale, like the the movie's sort of supposed to be a riff on the sports type movie and sports movies have a lot of popular songs. So like, you know, and it's set in the medieval era. So I guarantee you they've never heard of queen yet. Or, <laughs> I mean, great Gatsby. I mean, um, Baz Luhrmann mm-hmm. does this a lot with his movies where like he, like with the, the, his song choices, you know, in movies. And that's so, like, like a very intentional choice. Yeah. So yeah, it, when it's intentional, then it's, it's different. Cause there's like an intent, uh, there's an intention. But when you're when you're just trying to like I think of you know we mentioned Dark Shadows because of Ava Green, mm-hmm. um I uh, that movie is set in seventy two, and at one point uh Barnabas Collins starts singing lyrics to um Joker by uh what's uh shit what's the what's the what's the group that does that song, fuck, uh Steve Miller Band okay yeah. I felt bad that I couldn't yeah. remember that. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve, the Steve Miller band, and that song did not come out in '72. So mm-hmm. how is how is a grant he's a vampire? So you could you know I don't know you could just make shit up with that. But like, how does he know what that song is? Yeah, it's it's very strange for sure. But no, I get I I get what you're coming from. Like I think it is it is I I did think it was like a like a a, a nice way to kind of build his character because. He he's he feels more like a sidekick in a weird way, but then he gets this kind of own narrative because like all these characters have something going on, and we get to follow what they're going on. So it's nice that Sonny gets something too. Um, but I get what you're saying. It's it feels a little newer than than we like, expect. Like, I guess uh, it doesn't make it a bad movie. It's just like no. it clashes with some of the like the other like the choices that are that are being made in there. Um, just a little bit, but. Um, I mean, I, I feel like that was also like a, it's not, almost seems like a studio note and there could have been something I had in development. I don't, I don't know, but like, it seems like something, we should include something like that to make it topical. And it's like, come on. And I feel like the rest of the story, and especially if you kept like the Benny's, like the, the stuff that happens with Benny in the original and, and cameras are like, it would, it would, you would still have that relevancy because unfortunately, you know, race stuff is still an issue. 
um, yeah. obviously. But I mean, I, I just think it. I, I John Chu. I, I I know he did Crazy Rich Asians, right? Fun fact. Fun fact. He did Crazy Rich Asians, but before. Do you know what he did before Crazy Rich Asians? No. What did he do? He did G.I. Joe Retaliation. Really? Which I've only seen the Steven Summers one, but knowing that he did the one with The Rock, I'm kind of curious. I, I don't know what the quality of it is. I I mean, I've, you know, I've heard up and down things about it, but the fact that, you know, he did that, and, you know, I love In the Heights, and obviously Crazy Rich Asians is a very beloved film as well. I'm very curious. I'm. A, I mean, yeah. I'm, my mom loved Crazy Rich Asians, and uh, he's also doing Wicked. He is doing Wicked. That listen, that's gonna be that's his West Side Story. Like if he can, if he can, oh. if he can knock that one out of the park. Oh, man, but Alice, if he like, if he if, if he messes up excited. once, if he messes up that one, <laughs> uh, I, I can I can I can feel her from the past and in, in, in the future. She's she's cringing. Like she's like, why is this thing like a movie? Allison, please! <laughs> you don't have to see this. Oh 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 no no no! I'm all shook up. <laughs> we can't go on together. With this wicked adaptation, wicked adaptation, Dishon. and we can't build our musical dreams <laughs> with this John M. Shoe. Little <laughs> <laughs> old friend, I know. Shove it up your nose. I'm starting to say hello. <laughs> Sorry, suspicious mind. You get me started, suspicious minds. which is funny because like suspicious minds has technically been featured on our show before do you know what movie it was in was it blade runner 2049 that's right because the the scene with harrison ford that's one of my favorite scenes well they're fighting i love he actually punches him in the face that was so cool but anyway uh back to back to in the heights (laughs) um oh but there there, there's some great songs obviously i mentioned the opening number is, is fantastic um, mm. I love uh, ninety six thousand. Damn, ninety six. That's the, when I was talking about with West Side Story, like the the uh, adapting into a film. That scene, uh, I I kept watching that whole scene, going, "How did they do this on Broadway? Like, was it even? I don't imagine it was set at a pool, but it makes so much sense for the plot because it's summer and it's blistering hot. So what right. do you do? You go to the fucking pool and cool off and and try to have a good time, um, and so I just kept thinking the whole time, how did they do that? But they, it looks so fantastic in yes. the movie. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great, just, great sequence. The way that they choreographed the dances, um, the the songs themselves, just the 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 rap that Sonny spits out at that one point. You're like, damn. Yes, um, I love the um, uh, breathe that um, that Nina sings, uh, mm-hmm. and when the sun goes down. It's so good. Um, I'm trying to think. I love uh, when they uh, uh, the the carnival or whatever. Okay, yeah, was I was it? just th- I was thinking. Yeah, the bar- the barrio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great number. Too. Barrio de carnival. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And everyone comes into play on that one, mm-hmm. and they do a great job with like the differing opinions on the matter. Because like 
obviously that song comes out at a point where it's like the the salon sisters are, are leaving which we haven't mentioned them they're such fun characters oh, the, the the whole cast it, they're just so much fun they're, they're, they're really just so much fun like any like i love uh, speaking of that i love the whole scene in the salon tell me something, something i don't, don't know, know. <laughs> uh and then one of them is maribel from encanto yes and she's great. And the other one, and I know one of the other sisters who sort of flirts with Usnavi, uh, I know her from uh, uh, Orange is the New Black. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah, she's she, she has a plot in the movie where, or she has a plot in the show where she um, has a relationship with one of the guards and he gets her pregnant and it's like a whole thing. So, you know, is it, I, every time I think about Orange is the New Black, I'm like, you know what? That was a pretty damn good show for what it was. I mean... It sort of fizzled out towards the end, but that like the first couple seasons, um, I mean, you got introduced to so many great actors. I mean, Laverne Cox and um, obviously the various people who've shown up on our show. Um, if you haven't watched Origins of the New Black, it's I think it's worth checking out. It's a pretty good show. Uh, but we were talking about uh, Carnival uh, de Barrio. Um... So, such a great song. So, so emotional as well. Um I love, um, was it, would they go like, look at the fireworks, look at the fireworks, like, 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 it's sort of weird because you, you could easily, because how catchy the song is, it almost feels like it could be like a weird tonal jungle, jungle just because it's such a like traumatic moment. Everyone's trying to find everyone, mm -hmm. but they handle it so well, I think. Yeah. And just like keeping the energy going, but also like keeping it like, this is insane what's happening right now. There's just, I mean, I, I just think it, a lot of it's catchy. I love, like, I always listen to, like, the last number um, a lot, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and just, like, when, when Usnavi, Usnavi comes to the realization, you know, that, you know, hey, I don't need to, up, I, I need to stay here and create my own little, uh, create El Suenito here, you know. And it's such a wonderful little, you know, wonderful bit. That's, it's a nice twist because the whole time you're like, He's in Puerto Rico right now, and it's like no. Nope. He's in the he's in the Dominican Republic. Like, how do you like? Because that's where the story's leading is that he's leaving. Nope, he stays, mm -hmm. and he has a he has a kid. I like that the last shot kind of reflects the first shot of him, um, at the end of In the Heights, where that time he's by himself, and then it goes to the title, and then um, it's him, Vanessa, and their daughter. Yes, it's a nice. Um, there's a there's a lot of nice kind of like secular stuff going on. Like I love like three times we see Usnavi sitting in his bed looking at pictures of his father, and he says, um, "Best days of my life." Mm -hmm. But he says it in so many different ways, and each reflects something different of what it almost feels like the beginning of each act in a weird yeah. way. I don't know, mm -hmm. but I like the way that that structure. I like the way the whole thing is structured. Really, yes. Because there's a lot of moving pieces, and I feel like you can get lost in it pretty easily if you can't follow what's going on. But you just love everybody and what everybody's doing. You're so you're so invested in the story. You're invested in the community, really. Because yes. that's what this movie this movie like. It, it's got a narrative, but it's really more about like you were saying. It's about this community of people. Yes. And all of them, and what their what their what their suenitos are, mm -hmm. and what their what they want to do, whether it's move to a different part of the city and open up a new salon, like the the salon sisters have, um, 
trying to be licensed like Sonny wants like you know go to go to he wants to go to co- he wants to go to college it was so heartbreaking when he finds yes. out because he's an un- he's undocumented that he can't go to college and you're like it, it hurts it's rough to hear about that yeah um and then uh like obviously Usnavi wants to go to the Dominican Republic because he feels like he'll be happy there cuz though he quickly realizes you got everything you need here yeah you got the bodega, you got Sunny, you got Vanessa, you got this incredible community of people and friends and family. Like, and that's what the thing is. Like, I love the scene, even though it does kind of end in a really sort of rough moment. But like, I love the scene where it's uh, Abuela's holding a dinner, and it's just all these people in the community. It's the sisters. It's um, Jimmy Smiths. It's uh, it's Benny, Nina, Usnavi, Vanessa, Sunny. They're all there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's like, I can't think of any other like community where you have that kind of like bond, right. really, with <clears throat> with the people around you, which it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it's just a lot of fun. I think it's it's a little long, or at least to me, it feels it is a little long. A little long. I, feel, I, I think it's that, that and, like that and like the like the the weird timeline things with like the drink. Like they're my main my main problems. With this, but mm-hmm. as far as problems go, there that's pretty. Like, listen, this is a lot of fun, Mi- minute, minuscule. Um, I uh, though on whole, I think this is a, a a really cool double feature pairing because you can sort of trace like the history of New York, um, in a mm-hmm. sense. And uh, and it's like, and it's it's a place that you and I both love, though. Obviously, as far as the stories that are being told, you know, we're 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 very different. <laughs> We're tourists. Um, we're tourists. You, you know, we're not people who have to live there day in and day out. You know, yeah. have to rely on public transportation or walk to play. You know, or deal with all the the things that that go on over there. Obviously, New York is such a popular location in 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 so many movies, so much cinema. But like the best ones, and I think you'd agree with this, are the ones that really elevate the character and the history of New York City to really tell all types. Because again. New York City, in many ways, feels like it should be the representation of what America should be, which is that whole melting pot yes. um, mentality of just all these different types of people from all over the world coming to this one city. This is like the first stop location. Like this is America. This is this is what you want it to be. Sadly, it doesn't feel like that the majority of the time, yeah. um, which is incredibly unfortunate. So, you know, when when movies actually try to tell all these different types of people's stories and they elevate new york city to the point of it's a character even something is like even something as simple as spider-man like the sam raimi spider-man movie really elevates new york city more than just the city itself it's it's a character i i was thinking that uh about those exact the exact same things like you know it, it's just um yeah no you really hit the nail on the head with that one it, you know, it's 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 fantastic, and that's you know we love New York City, and so it's nice to see something that we love represented as well as it should be mm. on on screen. Um, so I think these movies did an incredible job with that. Yeah, <sighs> uh, folks, uh, what are some of your favorite musicals or Sondheim, Mer- the works of Lin Manuel Miranda, stories about New York? Yeah, listen. 
we want i'm i'm so curious to hear about people's like anyone who's been to new york or even people that live in new york like you know what's it like yeah what do you what do you what do you you know what's your day-to-day like i i want to hear your stories yes no absolutely um yeah you can check us out instagram facebook twitter we each have a letterbox um you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. That's right, honey. We got all that stuff. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think it's going to wrap it up for this week's show. You can check us out next time. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you in the Shire. Elvis has left the building. One, two, one. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Nobody's tough as Jack. Nobody's tough as Jack. Oh.